Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor. We talk about movies on this show, typically older movies, uh, some classics, some B-movies, hidden gems, that kind of thing. This one's a little bit weirder because this is a pretty recent film, uh, and there's a reason for that, of course. Uh, we are going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, which came out in 2014. Uh, the reason, of course, is the, the new one, Volume 2, is out in a couple of weeks. So... Here we are, we're going to talk about it, we're going to revisit it, and obviously we've both seen this before. Yeah, multiple times. And it's going to, I'll, I'll give the full spoiler warning just now, I, I don't see the, the point in doing a spoiler-free review for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've all seen it. Who hasn't? Seriously. Old people? Maybe. I feel like when I, when I went to see this in the cinema, I was because by the but I went to see it a few times. One time, I think my third time, I had to take my youngest brother. So I went during the day. It was full of old people that that showing. Yeah. Like, there was quite a lot more more than I've expected for this. That's movie. it. I feel like there's so many old people that for everyone that was there it was probably that that is is a good point. There is there is yeah. maybe too many old people because I I think there's a lot of old people who just don't understand watching movies and they just don't do it. Yeah. But yeah. this is a weird tangent to go on. It, begin it with, is. Uh, <laughs> right at the start. Yeah. So this is actually going to be a weirder discussion than normal, I think, because I, I th- we've not covered a movie that's this new and one that we've both seen so recently. And in this case, probably quite. I mean, I've seen it about three times in the cinema as well, and uh, at least maybe once or twice since then, and then yeah. now this time for for the purpose of the so show. So it makes it at least, what, the fifth or sixth viewing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it almost feels pointless to talk about plot in any particular way because I'm just so used to what the plot is like, it's not even it, yeah. it's this weird thing where it's all, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to remember but it's hard, it's hard to decide what's important to talk about plot wise because it just feels so ingrained in my head at this point I think for me the thing I notice most about the plot this time is how fast it moves hmm. like you know they're, they're on the prison stuff within the first like maybe just over half an hour in yeah, it's pretty, like, it's, pretty it's a lot earlier than I th- remembered it being. I don't necessarily remember that being early, but I, I, I did. For some reason, this happens a lot with me in movies. It usually happens the opposite way, admittedly. But in this, like, the, there's a moment where I, I, it feels like halfway. When they're yeah. escaping the prison, it feels like the halfway point of the movie. But it's actually not. It's actually early. It's about a third, isn't it? So, yeah, it's about a third, maybe, maybe shortly after over. that. Yeah. I have that problem a lot with other movies, but it's the opposite. It tends to be what I consider halfway is actually two-thirds in. Yeah. Uh, and it's just because, I, for whatever reason, certain points in movies just feel like, oh, this is the middle part of the story. This is the turning point in the mm. middle. But it's actually not. It's either the end of an act or the whatever, and that puts yeah. it closer to the end or so on. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's paced very well, though. I don't think there's any like slow... Slow down oh no, then. absolutely not. When I, when I said I noticed that, it's only because I was kind of looking for something about the plot to have interesting yeah, yeah. to talk about. Because it's like, well, it's it's the the Marvel plot. Yeah, it's, it it does have some of that Marvel formula, but it is unique in that it's the only Marvel movie that's a team. Obviously, outside of Avengers, but that's all the, that's all the single characters coming together. This is one that's built as a team from the start. So right from the start of the movie, it's like, how did they get together? How, and and how, what are those relationships? What are those connections? And I think before we even talk about the movie anymore, I, I think we should set up this. I, I know this is true for me. It, it probably is for you. I don't know. You can confirm it in a second if, or not. Uh, before they announced this movie, I had never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Never. Not once. 
they announced it and they showed like concept art, like a painting of like the team. Yeah. And I went, is that a raccoon? <laughs> I, th- I think most of the Earth's population had the same reaction. Is that a tree? <laughs> yep. What's happening? What's going on? Uh, it, we kind of just went with it because at that point, Marvel had earned some goodwill. We were like, okay, sure. Yeah, because I feel like that was around the time of the first Avengers, which is probably when Marvel Mania was like at its peak in terms of everyone was actually starting to really jump on board and say, oh, this is exciting stuff. Yeah, it's not like we act immediately went, oh, I'm excited for this. It was, okay, I, I have no idea what this is, but I have no reason to doubt them at this point. And I think one of the, one of the things that I've discovered recently with Marvel movies, because I felt a little bit fatigued with the last couple, is that... The ones I like the most tend to be the ones where I like the director, and I can feel that director's influence on the film. Whereas some of them are fine movies, but they don't really feel like they have any style to them, or any, they just feel like another Marvel movie. Yeah. Whereas this does feel like a James Gunn movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's there, and that, that's part of the reason why I like it so much. And I, I mentioned seeing it three times, so it's obvious that I liked it a lot, even though I haven't said outright that I, ha- I do like it a lot but I do kind of goes without saying once you've said that doesn't it, yeah, it when, does. you, when you voluntarily see something three times in the cinema yeah. you assume that you like it yeah so yeah obviously I like it a lot I, I think obviously there's a lot of parallels to Whedon's work and not just because it's a sci-fi thing and it's they're on a ship but I'm, I'm not even just comparing it to Firefly because of that I'd compare it to all of his stuff because it's a group of misfits who get thrown together yeah. and then work together to save the world or the yeah. universe in this case Oh no, technically it's just one world at the start of this, but it's implied that he's going to go on to start destroying other places too, so... Yeah, yeah, and and th- there's a reason they ha- they're called Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. Oh not Guardians of Xandar. Sure, sure. Yeah. To be fair though, they don't get that name until after they've already done the saving, so... Well, no, they don't, exactly. I mean, if Ronan had just rephrased his sentence one little bit, they'd have a completely different name. They would, and... Not sure you could really blame him that much. Yeah, but uh, no. So that that's kind of kind of get into it. I didn't really know anything about it. I I, I like James Gunn. I like his other movies. Uh, I like sci-fi movies. I like groups of misfits teaming up to save yeah. the world. I like all those things. Yeah, and I still remember seeing the the first trailer and going, "So that's what this is," and being, and then it was like, "Okay, I'm excited now." I don't remember how I felt after the first trailer. Because I remember the first trailer, it, was, it, it had uh, the song, you know, it was it had the humour. I was like, it, it kind of felt like this, it was going, oh, it's a space opera. With, it was very funny. It's like, okay, I kind of get what this film is supposed to be, uh, you know, at least on some level. And that that was enough there to get me excited then. The odd thing is, I don't think the trailers actually got me excited. Really? I don't think there's any particular reason for it. I think, I think maybe they just focused too much on the music and the comedy. Mm, okay. Uh, and I don't know if the the trailers got. A, I, I think it was like because they did that whole thing where they're doing the roll call and when they're going to the prison and yeah. Drax is there even though in the movie he's not actually in that scene because he's already in the prison. Yeah, cheating yeah. bastards. But they do all that and he does the finger and it was amusing enough. But I, I think for me the trailers were showing just the humour and as a result it felt like it was just trying to be cool if that makes any sense whereas the movie itself has a lot more heart and oh it absolutely does uh, and the trailers if I remember correctly didn't have a ton of rocket 
Probably um, because they hadn't finished all the effects yet and stuff. Yeah, like that. I remember the, there was the shot. The main bit was obviously on, on Gooch's shoulder in the prison with the gun. Yeah, so emotional. With the gun. Yeah. And I remember him when he's in the the rocket pod and he bursts through the other ship. Uh, I remember that shot being in the trailer as well, quite distinctly. But beyond that, not that much. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of like his banter, his talking, his. There was a little bit of it. There was, there was the uh, I'm making a bomb and a bomb. Yeah. What's the box going to do? That that scene was in the trailer. I remember that, but I, I don't know. I just for whatever reason the, the trailers didn't get me super hyped. But That's when I fair. saw it, it kind of made for a, a nicer surprise because <laughs> I was really yeah. into it. Uh, it, it. It almost took me a couple of minutes though to adjust to what the tone was. Because I remember when the title comes up and uh, you know Peter's dancing underneath it and he's tiny and the title's yeah. huge. I remember going, wait, what tone does this movie have? This is different well, that's, from the rest. That's what I remember as well. Because obviously the trailers were selling as this this very funny thing, you know, this big you know comedy adventure almost. And then it opens with this really like sad emotional scene of of his mum dying and mm. you know like, all that. There, I was like, what have I signed up for with this movie? And then it gets to that title sequence with him dancing. It's like, oh, okay, this is what I was promised from the trailer with the music and the fun. It's funny, actually. On the run-up to its release, all I kept joking about was how the uh, the backstory was basically the movie Starman, starring Jeff Bridges, which is a John, right. Car- John Carpenter movie. It's well worth seeing. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to just kind of... You know, mesh a few details to make it the uh, prequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, you can do that. In fact, it even came out, it even get made at the right time. Actually, thinking about it, it came out in like eighty seven, which is not eighty six, eighty seven. I think perhaps slightly older than that, but that is yeah, about the same. It's about right. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Just go with it. <laughs> um, but that, that's about a, a woman who falls in love with an alien man, and by the end of the movie, she's pregnant. What a surprise! But he has to leave, as they always do. But. You know, so yeah. it's, it's it's very Star Lord origin story, uh, but no, the, the movie's a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, Chris Pratt's great. Yeah, Ellie Roll, uh, Zoe Saldana's great as sort of more stern uh, Gamora. Uh, Batista is Drax, very funny. He he kind of steals the show. Yeah, uh, it's. I don't think anyone was expecting his his deadpan to be so effective. Yeah, he's really good. In fact, he probably has the funniest line in the entire movie. Hmm, okay. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm not entirely sure which one you're going with. The funniest line in the entire movie, and I will dispute this with anyone, the funniest joke in this film is, nothing will go over my head, my reflexes are too fast, I will catch it. It's a very good joke, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the best. No, well, I, 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 I don't think I'd actually considered what I found to be the, the funniest bit of the movie, though. And I say it's the best because no matter how many times I see this film, every time he says that line, I can't help but get a giant grin in my face. <laughs> that is such a good joke. It is very good. Such a it's good joke. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of funny stuff. They all have moments. Obviously, Rocket's really funny. Groot can be funny as well because he kind of and Groot's kind of the heart of the movie Rocket oddly as well as it too and I actually really like that I like that I mean they all have elements of heart to an extent but what I like about Rocket is he has this kind of like there's those little moments where like uh, 
Star Lord sees like the, the the mechanical parts in his back. Yeah, and, and the, like, when they, when they get into the prison and and he's yeah. you kind of just see how broken he is. Yeah, and like like his how troubled his past must be to like how he, how he came to be in it. It's it's one of those things because we'd already been told he was this experiment by uh, you know when they were doing the prison roll call. Yeah. And and we don't really think about it in that scene, and then you see it there, and you're like, oh, this was actually quite traumatic for him. And what gets me as well is the end of the movie after everything goes down, and they they beat uh, Ronan, and it's that probably the sweetest moment in the film is when uh, Drax sits down next to him and starts petting him on the head, and he mm. he doesn't know how to react to it. No one's ever done it to him before, and he clearly likes it, but he's confused by it. Yeah. But it just it cuts to that shot to behind them, and it's just him petting them in the head, and it's just. It's it's really nice because it's it's the it's the it's the stern warrior who you don't think about being compassionate, yeah, being very compassionate with the little asshole who is constantly giving lip to everyone, mm. but for a moment he is consoling him, and that's that makes it even sweeter. Like it'd be one th- like I mean if like Star Lord sat down with Gamora and like. Yeah, put his yeah. Arm around it's, her. it's just not as effective. It would it? be fine; it would work, but this works better because of who yeah. these two characters are. Yeah, and and like you say, I, I do think it's they really sell how tragic Rocky is. You know that that bit where he's he's drunk. He's like, I, I didn't even I didn't ask to be made, hmm. and you you really get like he doesn't get why he exists. Yeah, what's a raccoon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what a raccoon is. Ah, oh, dear. Uh, speaking of Rocket, the the visual effects for him are pretty great. They they hold up yeah. really well. Uh, standout moment in that is when he wakes up in the prison and like one side of his face is all squashed in because he's been leaning on it, mm. and it yeah. looks really good. Uh, so the effects hold up really well. Uh, obviously, the ships and all that look great. Uh, Rocket looks really good. Groot looks mostly pretty good, although it, it's kind of a weird one because it's hard to because he's such a weird thing. That doesn't really yeah. exist. It's hard for it to look completely photoreal. The one yeah. place where the effects don't hold up for me in this movie, oh, to be fair, they never held up for me at the time either. Like, I've right. thought this since i seen the movie the first time. Thanos. Yes. Yeah. Thanos looks... I mean, I wouldn't say it looks outright shit, but he looks it's kind fake. of a bit... It's a bit goofy, isn't it? It, feels, it does feel cartoony. And it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel worthy of, like... Like, if he still looks like this in Infinity War... <laughs> he can't, surely. Uh, I don't know. That's the thing. Part of me is worried it's like something to do with the colour palette and the way it sticks out on the you know, on, on the backgrounds. It's kind of what puts it off Maybe, a little I bit. Know. I think part of it, though, is just it's because it's a purple face. Like, yeah. It would look better with you, if you just put him in makeup. CG the rest of him, but have the face actually be Josh Brolin's face with a prosthetic and some makeup and yeah. make him purple. It would look better. I agree. But, but having the whole face be CG because it's as a essentially bigger human face, it sticks out more. Fur apparently we've nailed now in, in movies. CG yeah, that, that was usually what I'd say. Like fur hair is one of those things that you think is oh, it's really hard to get that because it's got to react yeah, but, so intricately compared to a face. But we've nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> we've nailed, as a, as a species, we've nailed it. Dawn of the Apes, Rocket Raccoon, King Kong, like. Fur's doing pretty well. It is, isn't it? Fur creature, uh, Jungle Book. Go watch Jungle Book. The fur creatures oh, in that. I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, jo- um, you mentioned purple there. Did you see the thing that broke today about the the apparent ban on purple in the the next one? Next what? So 
in in volume two. All right, okay. So th- there was this thing where un- James Gunn has decided, unless absolutely necessary, there will be n- almost no purple in the second film, and obviously that there's like a couple of characters who are purple, so that kind of has to be there. But he he was very adamant that he wanted to get away from purple. So I kind of was watching this knowing that, that I'd seen that today. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. And this movie is really purple. I don't know if you noticed, but there's so much of it. Now, I get that. Obviously, there's the thematic link of the uh, the Infinity Stone is, is purple. and Yeah, I remember the Infinity Stone. I don't remember any other purple, though. Oh, there's so much. A lot of the background lighting is purple, especially on Nowhere. Um, even when some of the shots just into the vistas into space, there's a purple glow behind them. Coming off a lot of the engines is a purple glow. Uh, the outfits, obviously, Gamora's and, and Nebula's make sense to be th- purple because it's the link to Thanos. But there's so much of it, it's ridiculous. And I, I kind of get why he's gone, no, let's shy away from it and change it up a bit. I don't think it's an obscene amount. Once you once you notice it, though, it's one of those things that you, maybe you don't notice it at first, but once you've noticed it, you can't <laughs> not see it in like every scene. There's a lot. It's... It's kind of overpowering once you realise it. But I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> no, no, I just I thought it was really interesting because obviously this news broke and it was like, oh, hey, there's this no This movie ain't got shit on Vamp. Go watch Vamp if you want purple. <laughs> sure. I'm just, I'm just bringing it up because it was a news article and I thought it was, I was watching it with that perspective and I did notice that there was a lot of it. More than I realised. So, the theme of the movie's purple, that's fine. A lot of yeah, movies yeah. have coloured themes. No, no, they... it is. I'm not saying it's a, a negative. They I pick just a colour and it's, roll with it. It's interesting that for the second one, he's going, now, nah, let's avoid that and, you know, give it... Even its colour palette will feel different. When What's you Gladiator? Watch. Everything's yellow. And yeah. gold. Watch... Yeah, it watch, uh... Well... Any Fincher movie, it's all green. Uh, it's green. Or The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Green or yeah. blue, depending if it's real world or... Matrix. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it's there. Yeah, but uh, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think it was that overpowering. I, I actually think the movie is very colourful because it has lots of different colours. I'm not denying there's a lot of purple, but <laughs> no, it's no. a very bright, colourful movie. Uh, two it's... seems to be upholding that. So yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of world building, for talk, we talk about MCU and like how it connects to things. We mentioned Thanos, obviously as a scene. He's mentioned a few times, obviously, because he's related to some of the characters and whatnot. Uh, I mean, his appearance is fine. He kind of, it feels kind of weird, especially in light of we finding out that he's essentially gave, or he's he's got like the like Ronan's got the Infinity Stone and he's looking at, he's just trying to get it. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. But it's weird that we but we know that the one in Loki staffs an Infinity Stone. So why did Thanos give that one to Loki? That's a bit weird. Yeah, that that one especially kind of stinks of oh we didn't think this through at the time. Probably. <laughs> this one's a bit different where it was an Infinity Stone from the start. Like it was yeah, always yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, on its own in this one it's fine, but it just comparing this and what he's trying to do, yeah. collect them all. It's just weird with the Loki thing. Honestly, I think Thanos is kind of weird in this movie at all. I don't think he needs to be in it. Other than like the, it feels to me like the only reason he's there is going, hey, we want him to be a thing come Avengers. You know, Avengers three, and we want this to be set. It's funny up you ready. say that because uh, James Gunn pretty much says that on the commentary. Oh, really? 
Uh, I mean, he's diplomatic about it, but he he basically talks about how the scene with Thanos is kind of uh, extraneous, and as a director, you want to like take out anything that doesn't feel like, absolutely necessary to the plot or like building the characters. But he's not just making his movie; he's building the world with everyone else, so yeah. it's, that's why it's there. But uh, no, it, it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like it's almost more building like this threat of dread if you never actually see him, if it's just constant mentions of him. Yeah, and I feel like even more specifically to this movie, it kind of undermines Ronan as a villain because he never feels like more than just a lackey because of that. Uh, I think Ronan has more problems than that, though. <laughs> oh, sure, but it, it, even just at a core level, when as soon as we're introduced to him, pretty much it's like, oh, I've, I've got to get this for Thanos. You know, that, uh, that's, that's from the start is that, that he's working for him. Ronan... No, I get what you're saying, but for me, I don't even think about that because he's already shit before we even get to oh, that complaint. Oh, he is. Oh, he is. Don't he's, he's, I mean, it's easily the biggest complaint of the movie, uh, and this goes with a lot of Marvel movies, is that the villain is completely bland, generic, has no presence, and is just there yeah, to be the thing that the he's good guys fight. He's not quite the worst. Oh, he's not the worst. He's not even close to being the worst, which is kind of saying something for these Marvel villains. Yeah. But he is, there's nothing good about him either. There's not. There's I not. mean, he's he's better than he's better than Yellow Jacket. He's better than Malekith. Yeah, he's better than Malekith. He's better than. <laughs> uh... Is he better than Whiplash? Probably. Yeah, he is. Whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash. <sighs> yeah, Whiplash gets left because at least Ronan has a has a. Well, Ron himself doesn't have cool scenes, but he has a cool design, a better design at least. <laughs> Whiplash fight has... Because like, the problem with Whiplash is Whiplash and Iron Man 2, you saw those trailers, you thought, oh, these are going to be great action scenes with him and these big laser whips. And, yeah. and then every action scene in that goddamn movie was over in about 30 seconds. Every single one was like a premature ejaculation. It was insane. I, I don't know what was going on in that movie with that. Yeah. Uh, but now, Ronan, like... And there's some moments with Ronan where he just feels too... Goof- I- it may have been miscast. I mean, maybe I'm blaming the actor when I shouldn't be, but some of the way he was reacting to things just felt a bit more like goofy opera than actually fitting in with the rest of the tone of the movie. Yeah, which is weird because the rest of it is, is kind of goofy. So it kind of should be goofy. It, you know, you think like that, but yeah. it feels like the villain needs to have this, like, actually be a bit more of a threat, be really a bit more serious in that sense and not be quite a goofy to to juxtapose against the goofiness of the heroes and make it feel like opposites. I think part of the problem is, is you know he's going to be done by the end of the movie, so there's no real menace in that sense. And despite mm. the fact that they keep showing us that he's powerful or they keep trying to tell us that he's powerful, you never really feel like he is. Uh, maybe that ties into your, like, he feels like a lackey for Thanos. Well, yeah, I think the most we see, like, we see him kill one dude, right, at the start. Because the the blood goes into the the the, the, the design. We on the see floor. that. Then he kills the the like Thanos's henchman dude. He snaps his neck when he goes to see Thanos. Yeah. Played by Alexis Denisov from Angel. Yeah, but that's about it then. That he does. I mean, <laughs> I think so. he, he he crashes a ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that actually is kind of it. There's no real. Like big example of him 
in like act two messing someone up i mean he obviously beats up drax but drax kind of brings that on himself yeah and all, all and he doesn't actually like kill drax he doesn't do anything lasting drax gets up he's fine yeah i, I suppose like it's supposed to be you know when he, when he grabs the stone and he harnesses its power that's mm. supposed to be like oh look how strong this guy is he can you know we've, we've just learned how powerful this thing is and how it kills it like most of the people who touch it yeah he can wield it that's supposed to be impressive but be- but then we never really seem to do anything with it no we don't so it's all about the our heroes the, the villain's not that important which yeah. is a shame because it's probably that's probably why i don't rate the movie higher than i do like i, th- I think if if you solve that problem if you had a compelling villain it would catapult the movie into like amazing status okay yeah and as it is, it just misses that because it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that bait to it. That's um, fair. I can kind of like it. It doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the movie overall because the the heroes are so likable and such a great group that that really do have oh yeah, such no, character. Like, I love the movie. I think it's a great movie. I yeah. just think the lack of a proper menace, a lack of a proper threat, holds it back from being amazing because I no, never. No. Yeah. Like, I care about the characters, and there's even a couple of moments where I'm almost teary-eyed, like, you know, the moment where they all sort of volunteer to go on this suicide mission, and there's that f- also funny but heartwarming moment when they all look at Rocket, and uh, Rocket has to, like, be the last one to stand up, and he yeah. cracks a joke about them all standing up like jackasses. Yeah, like, but obviously that, that's nothing compared to, you know, when, when Groot's surrounding them. Oh, and, yeah, and we are Groot. All, yeah. yeah, Rocket's tearing up. We are Groot, and then I mentioned the moment with uh, Drax, Pet, and Rocket, also a, yeah. a, a little teary-eyed moment. Like, those all work really well because I like those characters and I care about them. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think that's the impressive thing about this movie is that it, it t- took these C-listers, these D-listers, whatever you want to... <laughs> Maybe far lower than that. Maybe lower than that. Uh, never heard of them, listers. But it took them and it made them A-listers. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy now is a known entity yeah it's, it's a household name it's a team that everyone cares about uh rocket and Groot are now like popular with people who don't give a shit about comic books mm-hmm. you know uh the ladies especially love especially love Groot. Groot. yeah yeah they love the wood yeah pretty much and uh that's great it's great that they've become this thing yeah i think that proves just how good a film is in itself that you can take the, these characters that you're stacking them up against you know, names people have heard of, Thor, Hulk, and going, hey, you can care about these two. We're that good at it. I think I think what helps this, though, I mean, because in theory, you can take any random thing and make a good movie out of it and then make those characters, that character. With, with the right talent, absolutely. I think what helps this one, though, we'll put a few things... Obviously, there's the, the quality, and there's James Gunn, and there's all that, and there's the, the soundtrack. But I, I think a couple of other things that helped this on top of that is one, Marvel didn't have a movie like this yet, didn't have a space opera. Thor, mm-hmm. Thor had some scenes on, like, on Asgard, which is technically another planet, but it didn't really feel like a space movie. No, if... Thor played it more as a fantasy element. Yeah, even though it's essentially just another planet. Yeah. In the MCU. Especially going by the trailer for the new one and the way it just kind of treats it. Like, the way the fact that at the end of Thor 2, like, the, the post credit scene is two characters going to the Collector. Like, it just feels yeah, like yeah. it's another planet in space, practically. I think the other thing is, when this came out, there hadn't really been a space opera for a long time. This was pre-Force Awakens. Star Wars hadn't come back yet. Yeah. It was kind of ripe. It was kind of ripe for a movie like this. It was. It was. Especially one so with such a, a comedy-style movie. We definitely haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, no, no. Uh, Not on this scale, at least. 
I mean, arguably, I mean, you could argue that just kind of fits into the Marvel mold, but this is specifically the James Gunn type of wit that's in there. It is, yeah. Uh, and Chris Pratt. And some of his lines are are ad-libbed, which, which uh, is I'm great. Sure they are, yeah. Um, I, th- I think the Jackson Pollock painting line, I think that was an ad-lib. Sounds like one he would. Yeah. Uh, and I actually am amazed they kept that in. Because, I mean, it's a Marvel movie that's suitable for kids. <laughs> well, that, that's the beauty of something like that line, isn't it? For for a kid, that line just goes over their head. It means nothing yeah, to them. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, so, pacing's good. Character's great. Chemistry's good. Uh, all the key players. I mean, you don't even recognise Bradley Cooper's voice. You don't recognise... I mean, Vin Diesel, obviously, is a lot more, a lot more disguised, but... Yeah. Uh, like they all just kind of blend seamlessly into the roles. That That's it. I'm not looking at Chris Pratt and thinking, oh, that's Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah, you're not looking at that going thinking that's Burt Mackland. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and sometimes there are, there are you know, roles in films where I do do that, where I, I never even remember the character's name by the end of the film because it's just, no, it was just the actor. Yeah, yeah. It might have been a good performance, but it wasn't the, that character necessarily, whereas this, I... I, I genuinely believe all of them are that character yeah uh and yeah obviously we've talked talk about how funny it was i mean there's a, there's a gag about getting the the fake leg and, and rocket didn't need it and there's it's just it, it's seeping with jokes throughout there's jokes at the, and this is a very just mean thing actually is to have jokes right in the middle of a really tense moment yeah but without it taking away from the tension that's like a, that's a very mm. big thing from him same thing happens in this movie uh you know like when the big ship fight and then they'll land and uh, Gamora turns around and says, oh, "We're just like Kevin Bacon." Like, yeah. really funny line right in the middle of all everything going on. And it that's it. And attention. there's there's a lot of callback jokes later in the movie, like that, like, mm. like that Kevin Bacon one. Um, the with callback to the leg is you know where Rocky goes, oh, "I need that guy's eye." Ah, yeah, yeah. very good. It wasn't intentional. I was just saying, mm. "Aye, aye, aye." All right. Let's move on from that now before that just goes around circles. Going back to the world building, obviously they have the bit with the, the Infinity Stones and the Collector explains kind of what they are and we see the, the Cosmic Cube in one of the Yeah, windows. and they have the the red mist thing from Thor 2, whatever that was called. Aether? Aether? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I don't care. When we watch Thor 1 and 2 for the third one coming out later this year, we'll, we'll, we'll know find it then. Out. Yeah. We'll find out at the time. But, no, that's... <laughs> uh, no, so it's funny actually because this is actually my second favorite Marvel movie. This is number two on my list. I flip flop between two and three. Okay. Uh, I know I know it's number one, but I can never decide on my two and three spot. I know which they're both the same. You know, it just goes alternates between them depending on my mood. Yeah. Do I do I think? And again, this is going back to me saying that I like the ones that feel like the director's own movie. It feels like it's more more of its own thing. And one of the things that makes this movie feel like its own thing is the soundtrack and the use of the the mixtape, which yes contributes to the soundtrack and gives it this own identity, where all these songs come in at key moments, and it makes it feel unique against all the other movies, which for the most part don't have even their scores aren't that great. Like I, I feel like the Marvel movies. For, on the whole, don't have a lot of great scores. Do you know? I I agree with that. Except oddly, I think this one is a fantastic score. I Honestly, think I, I think it's good. I don't think it's fantastic. Oh, I, I I legitimately do think it's fantastic. I think it's by far the most underrated Marvel score because it doesn't get any attention due to everyone focusing on the soundtrack. 
because that's what you remember at the end of the movie. You remember those songs because they play at so many of the, the big moments and they are such a an integral part of the film. Even you know, all the way back from the marketing, they've been such a part of it. So that's what well, you yeah, remember. Because not, not only is he is or is he or someone else actually listening to the music in the in the movie, it's also a plot point because it's the music he shared with his mother that died yeah. at the start when he was a kid. Yeah, and, and then you have him share it with Gamora. You have it at the yeah. end for the dance off. It's such a, a major part of the movie that it's what you remember. Yeah, and it means something to him. Like it's actually a vital part of his character so it, it it works beyond just being cool music to play at the right moment yeah, exactly so, which, which is good uh i mean i think that the score's fine and they have their main theme which plays every so often yeah, it's and it's a great theme uh i mean i think it's a fine theme i, I don't like I, I, this is kind of my problem with the marvel movies in general is i feel like they've never really given them a good like none of the characters I, I feel like the closest we ever got was iron man 3 uh, Iron Man get a pretty cool main theme in that one. Yeah, right. uh, I mean I don't know. I I really like the music in this. I think the theme's great. Uh, especially I love all the emotional beats. Um, the bit where group you know does all the lights. I think oh, that yeah. piece of music yeah. there's it's it's one of my favorite pieces in all of the the I Marvel th- I movies. Think my, I think what I'm trying to say is those it's just not that memorable. Like I feel like I remember it as I'm watching the movie, but in a week's time I'm not going to be able to hum you anything from this score. No, that's fair enough. Uh, whereas you go to I mean, not not to jump to oh we're DC fans. Let's praise DC movies, but I, I can hum you Superman or Batman or the the, the Hans Zimmer Batman or I can yeah you go which Batman do you want? Yeah, I can do you multiple Batman's. I can do you the animated series. Yeah, you could do sixty six. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, no, I but, but off the top of your head, you could probably do sixty six animated, eighty nine. And when I say animated, I can do. The, the opening titles animated, but I can also do the Shirley Walker Batman theme from right. the animated series. Like, exactly. I can do, I can do all these things for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I can hum the Avengers theme, but I don't think it's that great. <laughs> no, I'm not that big on the Avengers one. Yeah. So, when it's okay, it's fine. Like, I, I feel like Marvel excels at having serviceable scores for the most part. That, that's fair, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think that's why I like. I, I actually particularly like this one more than just it's mm. okay, which I feel about most of them. I mean, I don't know, a lot of them have like one or two moments I like. Like, there's one or two cues in the Incredible Hulk score that I think are quite good. Mm. Uh, there's... I think Winter Soldier's my second favorite because that does some interesting things. Mm. But. Yeah. I, again, I can't really remember any of it off the top yeah. of my head. And I've seen Fair that enough. movie a lot as well. It's not like I've only seen it once. I mean, you can make that argument for Doctor Strange. I've seen that once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did actually quite like the composer who did that. That was uh, Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Did that. Uh, he was a busy man last year. He was a busy man last year. But, no, so... So, so, so scores... Scores fine. You liked him more than I did, but... Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's probably one of the better ones, to be fair, because it's, it's a real mixed bag with a lot of the rest yeah. of them. But but then you have the the soundtrack and the, the songs that they do play at a lot of the key moments and they are what people remember for a reason. Yeah, and again you have this ragtag group of misfits who are all very different and they're all kind of broken in their own way. In fact, the speech that uh, Star Lord gives is like we're all losers. Like he, he gives that speech, yeah. and it treats them like a proper ensemble where it's not like they've all had their own movies to like build up and they don't need to be. Like they're designed to work as a team and they're always going to yeah. be a team. Uh, which is why that you know that first group shot in the, the prison when the door opens and that it's the first all five of them in the same shot for the first time, mm. you know, it's a great moment to have it. Yes, yes. 
So no, I I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I do as well. I always have a good time with it. It's it's one of those songs you can put on at any point. I mean, what five six times already? I've seen it in the what three years, and I'm not bored of it. No, it's immensely enjoyable. It's uh, better than Rogue One. Aye. Well, no, would, I'm would not you sure actually, I agree on that. Really, you would dispute that? I, 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 I'd have to think hard. You would dispute that? I might. I might dispute that. I, I might enjoy it more than Force Awakens as well, but I don't think it's that much of a I, fight. I, I accept I have a bias. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with your statement either. I can't name you a single character from Rogue One. <laughs> I can name you tons from Guardians. And not just because I've just watched it there, like, before I oh, watched yeah, it, yeah, I could alternatively, I could name you tons from Rogue One. So, I mean, that's you know, just because a... you know we're Star Wars nerd. To... Exactly, which is why I say I accept my bias. I'm a fan of those <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, dear. You just like bringing it up just to just to annoy me at this point. Uh, to be fair, in the, in this sense, I'm actually comparing it to you know another sci-fi space opera. Okay, really. it was recent and. Yes, this, I get prob- this, this is probably the most relevant that you know, that connection has ever been that, for you to bring it up. Maybe if we get a, a small space movie where it's them going on like a suicide mission or a heist, and then it's like, all right, no, this is the perfect time. I can compare it every, every beat of the way. Yeah, okay, I'll allow it. Well, we've mentioned James Gunn quite a bit, uh, mainly with his stellar humour, which is obviously there throughout. Even Nathan Fillion gets a cameo as a as an alien. Because of course. Because of course. Although we really... Even the fact that Rook is in it, you know, that's just because it's James Gunn movie. Uh, that, that is true, but I like him a lot. He's, he's very good as uh, Yondu. He is. Actually, that's something. I really like that they really set up his arrow. Like, in, like right from the start, you know, when he first pulls his coat uh, aside and you see it and everyone kind of backs away. The the moment at the end when he finally uses it on like that entire squad of soldiers is pretty epic. It is. It's so cathartic just seeing it just whip through everyone. Admittedly, though, just not not to second guess the direction, but I would actually do it differently. Mm. I would actually just keep the camera on him the entire time and just hear the sound of it, and then cut to a wide shot, and then see the same thing that happens at the end where they all drop. Yeah, yeah. I would actually have it all off screen, and then just oh, cut to the wide fair. shot, and then just have them all drop. Uh, I, I can see arguments for both. Admittedly, I, this studio would like Maui because it's cheaper, but. For some, for, some, for me, for some reason, that just works. Like you see it zooming past, and you see it maybe go into some people behind them, mm. but you don't see the, everything. You don't see it falling around like we actually do. Uh, yeah, I mean it's fine the way it is. Don't get me wrong, but it's just my favorite part of that is that, that last shot when they all drop. It's a great shot, uh, especially with the ship. Yeah, yeah, especially with the ship at the end exploding, just to, just to punctuate it. Yeah, so that's they that's all drop. It. Stop. That's not. That's, that's your exclamation mark, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the direction's pretty good. There's some really nice uh, moments uh, in terms of like uh, obviously there's the emotional beats and the the action and stuff. And but like there's some really simple moments that I really like. Like see see when uh, they're on the the planet the first time, and it's when Gamora and Strait and Star Lord and they're chasing each other and Rocket and yeah. Groot are there trying to cap- capture them. The moment where Rocket pulls out his gun, and it kind of extends like three times. Yeah, and as it does it, the focus changes to the end of the gun. Yeah, it's a really simple little moment. But for some reason, it just makes that gun feel really epic. It does. It's like, oh, we're really following this, and yeah. it, it, this is the you feel the change of the gun rather than just see it move. You feel it move because the camera does. Do you know what I might have put more in the movie actually, just a little bit. Mm. The Nova Core. 
not 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 a super amount, but I feel like maybe just cutting back to that like headquarters, you know, once or twice in the middle, just to show that they're monitoring what's going on in the star system, kind of thing. Yeah, just just to because I feel like when they like show up to help in in the skies, uh, yeah, when they're all up there, I feel like this moment might mean a little bit more if I had if I felt like I knew those characters. Yeah, because obviously we get uh, a little bit with uh, John C. Riley. Just you know, he get, he gets the message, and he goes and takes it to the, you know the headquarters, and they go through it. Yeah, but see, see if we got a couple of more scenes with him in the middle where he is hearing from his superiors that stuff might be going down, and like maybe we should be worried. Yeah, maybe even just you know we see his family at the end when he goes back mm. home. Maybe even just an extra scene with them to give him at least one of them like an actual character. Yeah. Yeah, because again, much like the villain, not really meaning that much. Okay, it's it's good that they're trying to save the planet, but there's not really a lot of people on the planet that I necessarily care about because they're just a mass of people rather than yeah, rather, rather than specific people we care about. So, uh, I mean, it works anyway because it has a lot of great moments where like, like because the Nova Corps are, are busy, she, like trying to stop the ship, the the Kree ship from like coming down to Earth, or not Earth, sorry. <laughs> It's usually Earth, all right? It's, it usually is. <laughs> right, but they're stopping the ship from coming down. And Rocket and all the... Uh, oh, Ravagers. Ravagers, thank you. They all decide, oh, we'll protect the surface, and they all go down in their stead. Like, you know, there's some great moments where they do heroic things. Yeah. Uh, and that works quite well. And like, seeing seeing the two separate teams like sort of trusting each other, it, it, it makes the fight fun in a way where it gives them all these beats where they're, they're being heroic. It would just be a little bit nicer... If there was people on the ground, we actually kind of knew and cared about a bit more. Yeah, and on top of that, obviously, we get that there's an animosity. Ravagers are kind of criminals anyway by their nature, and we get that they've the Novakov have had run-ins with them in the past, just through little bits of dialogue, but maybe just seeing a little bit more of that to show that when they're working together and they're, that, you know, they're covering for them, that it means something a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe show the hostility between them once or twice earlier yeah. on or something like that. Yeah, like maybe when they arrested the other guys at the start, maybe they also arrested a Ravager and made some comments or yeah. something like that. Like I don't know, something just to set up a little bit more. And that sounds like we're being negative. I'm just, I'm kind of, I've seen it a lot of times. Though I'm nitpicking and going, what, what, what could improve it? What could, yeah, elevate it a bit more? Because everything there does work. Fill on the side, yeah. everything we've just you know complained about, so to speak, does work as it is perfectly well. Just, just, we could, you could you could make it just a touch better. Do you know who's way more interesting than uh, the villain? Mm. Uh, Nebula, Karen Gillan's character. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm glad she's coming back for the next one. Yeah, because Shultman kind of feels a little bit wasted. Like, they hint at these things, and it's just, we never really get to see it in this movie. I'm sure we'll no. get it in the second one. No, she's, she's underused, but at least the few times where we get a little sense of what's going on, where she is willing to turn on Thanos, she's jealous of Gamora. Like, yeah, I really like the sibling rivalry. Like, there, there's elements there that could work. And she seems more heavily featured in the posters for the second one, so I'm hoping that means there's a bit more of her. She's maybe more developed in, in the volume two. I hope so. Do you know what I think one of the more impressive fight scenes in this one is? Go on. It's actually... Just as they're leaving the prison and Star-Lord goes back for his tape. He's, yeah. uh, he's Walkman. And you go through the, the tunnel. He goes through the tunnel with like you know three or four guards. And it's just the, the way he's like, so like, he has one in a lock and he still shoots the guy through while he's still like, yeah, locked yeah. with the other guy. And it's just, it was actually a good little bit of play where I, I could feel the movement and it was all easy to follow and it all worked. And then there's that little badass moment at the end where he shoots the guy without looking when he's on the floor. Yeah. 
just the, the such an obvious little thing to do, but it it works really well. Mm. No, that is actually a really great moment. Yeah, and you know, obviously there's the bigger money, obvious money moments where Groot like you know throws like a, a line of them side to side. Like that's a really fun moment, but it is. So I have a question. Obviously, we see Groot, you know, lose his arms and he grows them back within a matter of days. It seems pretty early on. Uh, uh, days at most, I should specify. It yeah. Could be hours for all for all I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we get to this second movie. Kind of feels like I've been doing this for a little bit, and he's still tiny. Like, is he choosing just to be small at this point? I I will argue that because he's starting from scratch from a twig. That it takes much, much longer than just. I mean, sure, but there, there are times where we just see him pop out a lot of of extra branches, mm. just you know, just because. But it's like going through puberty again. He can't do that yet. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> that's that's my explanation. I'll take it. That'll do. <laughs> uh, obviously, actually, one of the best little payoffs in the movies uh, when we run into the uh, you know the the guy is hunting them at the start of the movie, and he's like, you know, Star Lord, who? And then when he gets yeah. to, um, gets him to the end, and he's like, "It's Star Lord," and we get the exact same shot of Chris Pratt, where it tracks into his face. And at the start of the movie, it tracks in as he says "Star Lord" before he says "Who." And yeah. this time, bad guy says "It's Star Lord," and it tracks in, and he goes, "Finally." Yeah. And it's it's, it's a really good moment. It, it is. Yeah. It's that's probably like the the longest setup and payoff because that's right at the start and right at the end. Yeah. And it bookends the movie quite well, and it does. Even like I know some people have a problem with the whole dance off. Like I was literally just about to ask how you feel about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people have a problem with the fact that he does this dance off thing to distract Ronan. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It feels in character. That's my thing. It feels perfectly normal for his character. That's the thing. He's spoken about uh, dancing, especially like quite a few times, especially with Gamora. And like we know this is what he's like. He is kind of this goofball in general. And he kind of has these wacky ideas. So it makes sense that when he panics, he goes, I need to do something quick. What does he do? He goes to what he knows, what, what he does, you know, in general. He dances. That's the sort of thing that, that makes sense to me. I don't even need to think about that hard. For me, it's just, he needs to oh, distract yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. And what's the silliest thing I can do right now? And yeah. it just, it works. Uh I mean, if you have a complaint with Ronan actually like working and him going, "What are you doing?" and he like stands there and stares at him in shock, like, "What the hell's going on here? What are you doing?" If you want to say that lasts too long, then yeah, fine. Like maybe Ronan shouldn't have been that distracted that long. But to be fair, it was utterly ridiculous, and I think it's reasonable to go, "What on earth are you doing here? What what is happening?" But I, I don't have a problem with it. But like you say, a lot of people really do. Yeah, some people really, really get bugged by that, and it doesn't bother me. I think ultimately, even even if it does bother you, though, it's such a small thing for this movie. Yeah, it's such but, a small thing, and I don't. I've I've seen people say it ruined the movie for them, and I just I don't get it because it it fits in tone with everything you've just watched for the previous what hour forty. Hmm. By that point, I don't know. Yeah, no, I really have no issues with it. Guardians of the Galaxy is a great film. It is. It really is. I think first and foremost is the characters. The characters make this. Those five main characters are so likable so quickly. They have great chemistry and you care about them when they're in trouble, even though you know that nothing's bad is going to happen to them. The five main characters. Yeah, yeah. But the, And I like that they all have 
unique qualities as well. They feel like individual characters as well as a team. And if you're going to compare them to other things, like you could kind of compare Gamora to Princess Lee, you can kind of compare Groot to Chewbacca. Yeah, and it's kind of playing with those archetypes, but yeah. at the at the end of the day, even Star Wars, if you look at it, if you're going to compare it to that, they, that kind of played with the archetypes in itself. Oh yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's not unique to those. I mean, exactly. Uh, they they stole a lot from Kurosawa and Star Wars. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's, it's not unique to that. It's, it's just you can see the the correlations if you if you want to look for them, they're there. They are, and I I I've never had a problem with any film doing that. I don't think that's ever a complaint as long as it makes it their own. If it just feels like we don't know what we're doing, so we're using this idea, that's when it's a problem. But here, it's sure. The parallels are there. This is clearly inspired by to some degree, but they knew what they were doing with it and made it their own thing. So it's just it's just not a complaint. So it's, it's a tough one for me because it's kind of changed over the over the time since I've seen it. Hmm. Thinking, I'm, re- I'm really thinking. I'm torn between an eight point five and a nine. Eight point five for me. I'll, I'll give you my rain. I'm torn. For those keeping track, yes, my second favorite Marvel universe movie is an 8.5 just for people keeping track uh, you'll find that I have more probably rated lower than most people than I'm kind of in the same boat as you with that though we're, we're maybe more in line than than we should be on those mm, maybe, I mean I like a lot of Marvel movies but I, I just uh, there's only a few that I would put in the great category and this is, this is one of them yeah I agree with that uh I'm gonna go with the nine because ultimately, even even though it has the problems with the villain, I just I have too good a time with it to care. Ultimately, there you go. Uh, that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, obviously, we did this because Volume Two is out soon. Uh, we will have a video up for that to talk about it uh, sometime after release, so you can look forward to that. Uh, the plan with the rest of the Marvel movies is, you know, when Thor comes out, we'll do Thor one and two. When Infinity <laughs> War comes out next year. We'll, do... we'll, we'll probably do Incredible Hulk with Thor as well. Yeah, that's true. We'll probably do Incredible Hulk with Thor since uh, that's related. Uh, when Infinity War's coming out next year, we'll do all the Captain Americas and all the Avengers movies in the run-up to that. The, the main line. The main story ones, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so, you, so you can look forward to that then. and uh, We'll do some Spider-Man movies for Spider-Man Homecoming coming out and so on and so forth. And Yeah. Uh, you can kind of see where they're coming in from there. Uh, uh, but... The, this was a weird one to talk about, actually. It's it's weird doing a movie that isn't actually... I remember seeing this a couple of years ago. It's kind of weird talking about it on this show. Yeah, like I say, it was only three years ago it came out, and yeah. here we are. But no, but we're already talking about it in this past tense. It's, it's this movie that has already... Not dated, but has had time to simmer, has had time to you know settle and we know how we feel about it after repeat viewings we know how we feel about it in the larger context of things and yeah so on and does it hold up at least so far and this one does i i I think some other marvel movies have went down in my opinion since i first saw them definitely i i I think once you notice the formula it does ruin a few of them a little bit because it doesn't have enough beyond the formula whereas this one has a lot of other things going for it yeah so that would be my ultimate uh, opinion on it. So there you go. That's, that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Let us know what you think of the, the movie in the comments below. Like and subscribe and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. Individual Twitters. I'm at Wibble89. Connor's at Connor Ryan 94 
that's us guys so thanks for watching and we'll see you next time